Thanks for tuning in. The following audio is from Redemption Church, located in the heart of San Francisco, California. We are a multi-ethnic intergenerational church that exists to make disciples. For more information, visit www.redemptionsf.com. The reality is, accepted people are imperfect people. This is why the nation of Israel, even though they had been freed from Pharaoh's grip, they needed reminders. They needed encouragements that God would be their only God, that they would lay down their idols, that they would pick up the mantle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, This message from the Ten Commandments that accepted people are imperfect people. It's not that if you obey the Ten Commandments, you'll, you'll gain the favor from God or that you will be accepted by God. It's that when you obey the Ten Commandments, your affections are more set upon God. I love what we see in Exodus chapter 20, verse 2. Look at this with me. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. God is saying to you and I today, you are free. So here's how free people should walk. Here's how free people should talk. Here's how free people should look and relate to one another Here's how free people should live out the Christian life. I've brought you out of Egypt. You're now free. So here's how you should look. And God gives us the Ten Commandments. So now we come to the final commandment, the Tenth Commandment. And we see it in Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. Look, listen to God's word this morning. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. This is God's word. Amen, church? Amen. We'll sit under this thought this morning, crave God over things. Crave God over things. I'll be honest this morning, uh, here's my confession. I love cars. I love cars. And, you know, I'm grateful. Um, I've come a mighty, mighty long way, y'all, I'll be honest. Um, My first car uh, was a 1984 Buick Regal. I paid $500 from a job from, one of my first jobs was working at Auntie Anne's pretzel shop. Yeah, how many, how many know about Auntie Anne's? Don't try to play me. And I saved up my, my little coins, and I paid $500. My mother begged me not to buy this car. $500 for a two-door 1984 Buick Regal, and it was the most beautiful thing to me. Uh, there was only one problem. It had no reverse. Uh, true story. And so I would have to, like, park in parking spaces that would allow me to just pull out. <laughs> it had no reverse. But I, I am a lover of cars, and um, I have a nice car, but just recently uh, a, a close family member of mine uh, purchased a Tesla. And so, listen, this was the very first time 
when I got to spend time with this family member, that I got to see a Tesla and, you know, without being weird, I got to look at every inch of it. I got to drive this thing. And I'm going to be honest, the moment I sat in the seats, I just felt like the world stopped for a second. The, mo- the, the moment I, uh, the car was turned over and I heard nothing. Uh, the, the moment I drove it around the block and there was no exhaust sound, I was mesmerized by this experience from, you know, just how electronic everything is. And uh, this family member has some children and they were so excited to show me the whoopee cushion feature that every time I sat in the passenger seat, it would make this whoopee cushion sound. And I was mesmerized by this car, y'all. And, and, and can we just have, is this a safe place? I hope this is a safe place. Can we just have an honest moment? I, I wanted this car. I'm going to just tell y'all the truth. Like, I felt like the car that I'm sitting in, though it belonged to somebody else, should belong to me. I wanted it. I coveted it. And that's the idea of the Tenth Commandment. It is literally longing for and deeply desiring something that belongs to somebody else. And the beauty of God's word is that what we see in the 10th commandment is that God is pulling us out of craving things and into craving him. This is a hard word for some of us who who have grown up in this Western culture because we know how to consume things. Our society is excellent at making disciples of consumers. Just imagine the amount of ad dollars, and some of you may have figures on this, that, that spent to get our attention on a regular basis from podcast ads to YouTube ads to ads on social media, ads at sporting events. And now, y'all, I mean, I know it's been around for a couple years now, but They even have these digital LED screens on Uber and Lyft rides. I'm like, somebody didn't got fancy. They really want to get our attention, catch our eye, so that we can continue to consume as we often do. 2021, uh, Facebook ad revenues hit $115 billion. Lord have mercy. In the first quarter of 2022, there were $841 billion in credit card debt. We love stuff. I mean, we love to consume things. There's even, listen to this, about $21 billion of unused gift card debt. Just amounts that are just out there. I love a good gift card, but there's so many of us who have these gift cards because, and we give these gift cards because we love things, we're not even using it. That's how much stuff we have, that we just have extra stuff. 
And it always amazes me. I think we do this in uh, unique ways um, in a place like San Francisco where space is at a premium. But even places in the Midwest and the South, I mean, we, we can just pack garages and in-law suites full of stuff because we love to consume things. We can consume things with the best of them. And yet the question is, what will we be consumers of? And I think the Ten Commandment begs the question, what will we take to become content? What will it take us to find that we satisfy? What will it take to become content? What will it take to find satisfaction? What will it take to be satisfied in God? See, to covet is really to passionately desire. To covet means to lust after or to crave what someone else has. Hear me this morning. Admiring is not coveting. Desiring is not coveting. Coveting is not admiring someone else's job. Coveting is not desiring a new job. Coveting is saying, I want your job. I want what you have. To covet is to passionately desire what someone else has. There's there's a dispensary down the street from the church. And that, that, that dispensary has been burglarized multiple times. Um, we can think of the car break-ins in San Francisco in broad daylight. To covet is to crave what someone else has. To look at something that someone else has and to say, I want that. And I'll do whatever it takes. I'll violate my own conscience. I'll do whatever it takes to get that thing I, I passionately crave, long for what somebody else has. What's interesting about the 10th commandment is that along with the first commandment, uh, these are really the only two of the 10 that you can't see or hear. I mean, you, somebody commits adultery, you can see that. Somebody is a liar, you, you, you can see it. If somebody has a lack of rest, you can see it. You can hear these lies. Yet coveting really can be a hidden monster that robs you of true contentment. And it's the reality of coveting is that we can can look good on the outside and and be a mess on the inside. We, we, We can look good on social media and be a mess on the inside. And be broken on the inside. And so I want, us, I want us to see this morning, uh, the Ten Commandment reveals our craving for more. The Ten Commandment reveals our craving for more. Verse 17 says it this way. Let's look at it again. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. We want more house. We want more things. We want more relationships, a higher salary from work. We have this craving for more, 
And what it does is it creates this fertile ground for coveting. And, and I don't want to completely demonize capitalism, but as a result of capitalism, our societies are craving for more. And oftentimes what happens is um, we, we, we say capitalism is cool, and, and, and I agree that there's some good things about capitalism, but oftentimes what we see is capitalism is at the expense of the poor. I mean, we just see this over and over again. Because of our longing for more, we have things like the school-to-prison pipeline. Because of our longing for more, we see highways and major roads are being built through poor neighborhoods. See, the history of Geary Streets, if you want, if you want to look at a, a prime example, look at the history of Geary Street. Look at the history of the Hayes Valley neighborhood. Because of our longing for more, toxic waste is intentionally placed next to certain communities and certain neighborhoods. And what it does is it exposes uh, the most vulnerable to all kinds of health risks. See the history of the Bayview <laughs> right here in our city. Over and over again, we, we just have this longing for more at the expense, oftentimes, of the poor. I love the way Pastor Rich Viedas says this. He says the Ten Commandments addresses what we have, what we do, and who we are connected to. What we have, what we do, and who we are connected to. Your neighbor's house, what you have. Your neighbor's ox or donkey, what we do, it speaks to work. Your neighbor's wife or servants, who we are connected to. In all of those areas, we often crave for more. Better job, more house, more, more especially in San Francisco, just, just a little more square footage, right? More relationship capital, maybe longing for a more significant other or a more significant relationship. It's so easy even for us to fall into the trap of social media, looking at what somebody else has and buying into the lie that the grass is greener on the other side. And God wants us to know today more is not always better. He wants us to embrace this reality that more is not always better. Here's what I want to do. I want to give you three quick ways to pursue contentment. Three quick ways to pursue contentment. One of the first is live a life of gratitude. Simply put, be grateful for what you have. Be grateful for what God has given you. Be grateful for what the square footage you do have. Somebody has less square footage than you. Be grateful for the job God has given you. Be grateful for the spouse God has given you. Even though, you know, they, they make it on your last nerve. But be grateful for what you do have. Be grateful for the relationships you do have. Thank him for the space you do have and the gifts he has given you. But secondly, as you, as you build this uh, and pursue contentment, cling to the promises of God. You just have to know what God says about you. 
You've got to go to the promises of God and cling to what God says about you, that you are a son and that you are a daughter, that you are the head and not the tail, that you are more than a conqueror, that God will never leave you or forsake you, that God will never snatch his love from you. you got to cling to the promises of God. In order to build a heart of contentment, you need to cling to God's promises. But thirdly, if you want to pursue contentment, I just want you to know you got to share God's faithfulness with somebody else. I mean, this is just important. And this is one of the reasons why we give space at times to share testimonies. Because when you share God's faithfulness with somebody else, what you're really doing is rehearsing it and preaching to yourself. Somebody might need to hear how God has been faithful to you. But oftentimes you need to hear how God has been faithful to you. You need to remind yourself how God has opened doors and how God has made a way out of no way, how God has shown up for you, how God allowed you to get into that school that you so desired, how God got you accepted into that career. You need to remind yourself. Sometimes you need to preach to yourself. Oftentimes I, I, I... I, I, I do this um, even in my own life, and when times get hard, when ministry can feel exhausting and hard, God, you said you never will leave me or forsake me, and I'm not reminding God because he hadn't forgotten. I'm reminding myself. I'm declaring the truth of God's word over myself. God, you have called me a son, an heir to the kingdom, and an heir to all the things that you have. God, you created me when I'm in doubt, and when, when I doubt myself, God, you created me as a son, and you created me and fashioned me and said, it is good. Remind yourself of the faithfulness of God, how God has shown up in your life, how God has shown up in the life of your family, how God has stepped in at times in ways that you could not complain, ways that you could not explain how God has provided for you and sent answers to your prayers over and over again because we so often forget. You need to share that faithfulness with somebody else, not just for them, but also for you. But finally, the 10th commandment reminds us, ultimately, listen, church, here's what we get. We get God. The 10th commandment reminds us that we get God, God over stuff, God over things. All throughout the story of scripture, the message is that our real gift is a God who loves us through the person of Jesus Christ. A God who saw us at our worst and showed up, wrapped himself in flesh. A God who did not turn his back on us, but showed up for us and stepped in at our darkest hour. We get him. Over and over in scripture, that's the message. We see how God's people are trying to figure it out and work it out. How God's people are wrestling with doubt and wrestling with failure. And how God's people are messing up over and over. And yet they're coming back 
to remember this reality that truest message of the scriptures is that ultimately we get God. It's more than things. It's more than a house. It's more than a career or a better relationship. It's God. It's God that gives rest. It's God that brings integrity and honesty. It's God that helps us to walk in truth. It's God that helps us to honor our parents, especially in difficult relationships. It's God that helps us to put down our idols. It's him. When we set our affections on him, you know what he brings? He brings contentment. I want you to know this morning that God is not after your behavior modification. He is after your heart. Not so that you can be like somebody else. Not not so that you can keep up with the Joneses. Not, Not so that you can get what somebody else has, but so that you can be all that God has called you to be. So that you can show up as the best version of yourself, with all of your natural proclivities, with all of your gifts, with all of your wisdom, with all of the way God has wired you with with your quirkiness and your insecurities. God wants you to show up with those gifts, with the way he's wired you, that he might use you in the city, that his kingdom might flourish, that you might be blessed and the people around you might be blessed. He wants to use you. God wants to use you in the city. And so often we may show up wondering what God is going to do and who he's going to use. He wants to use you. With the gifts that he's given you, with the wisdom that he's given you, God wants to use you. And the ultimate return on your investment is that you get him. If I'm honest, this is something that I've faced over and over again. Just as a young leader and a pastor, um, comparing to somebody else's church, comparing and looking at how many people somebody else has and what ministries that they're, they're doing, what kind of music do they have? Like, what kind of efforts and what, what are they doing in the city? What, how are they serving in the city in comparison to how we... And that's not how God wants you to live your life. That's not how God wants me to live my life. And over and over again, I remind myself of the promises of God that God has brought freedom. That he's released us from the grip of Pharaoh. That he has released us to be accepted sons and daughters of the king. And we can now walk in this newness of life. Freeing ourselves from the demons of comparison. Freeing ourselves from this tendency to covet what somebody else has. Because we know the promises of God. We're free. We are accepted because he has given us acceptance by faith. 
Do you realize who God has called you in himself? God has called you, and some of us haven't received this yet because of the things that we have had happen in our own lives. Because of the brokenness we've experienced, the failures we've experienced, he still calls you a son if your faith is in him. If your hope and confidence is in him, he still calls you a daughter. No matter what you've experienced in your life, you are accepted. You are forgiven and you can now walk in the newness of life apart from comparing yourself to somebody else, apart from coveting, apart from looking over your shoulder to see if you'll be accepted. God has accepted you. And he's now freeing us to live out these commandments, not to gain acceptance, but to live out these commandments from acceptance. Because we're free. No longer under the grip of Pharaoh. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for the gift that we have in you. We thank you for the joy that is in you. And Lord, today I pray that you would grow our contentment. Help us, Lord God, to be satisfied in you. Lord Jesus, help us to understand ways that you've shown up for us and help us to rehearse the promises of God over our lives. Lord, help us to receive our acceptance. Lord, help us to receive our freedom. Would you give us the strength, O oh God, to move away from shame? Give us the freedom and the strength to move away from guilt and into newness of life, being accepted by you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to stop looking for greener grass. Lord, would you help us with the comparison demon? Would you, would you help us as we long at times for what somebody else has, somebody else's marriage, Lord, somebody else's work, somebody else's calling and passion? Lord, would you help us? help us to say yes to what you have for us. Lord God, oftentimes we don't understand what they're experiencing in their own life at times. Lord, oftentimes we can covet things from people and not realize that they're up to their neck in debt. That their marriage or their relationship is on the brink of divorce. We may not even understand the weight that they're carrying, oh God, and we've idolized what they have when you want us to accept the things that you've given us and to still walk in newness. And so, Lord Jesus, cover us. In Jesus' name.